0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into the newest episode of the Going Long podcast. I'm your host, Zach Neal. Man, that was, uh, what a game. What, just just to start off the top, what an absolutely incredible game. Uh, 36-33 loss for Oregon against Washington on Saturday afternoon up in Seattle. We're going to completely break that down, get into all the little details um, that I saw up in Seattle, and just uh, really get into what happened there, some of the decisions, some of the outcomes, where the Ducks go from here. Um, there's, there's so much to talk about and so much to get into. I don't really even know where to start, but we've got a lot to talk about, um, a lot of takeaways from that game. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Let's get into it. Like I said, up at the top, um, 36-33 is your final from Washington. Oregon cannot uh, get the job done, ultimately, up in Seattle. Um, I Before we break into the game and get into the nitty-gritty of it, I just want to um, give you guys kind of a look from the the journalistic side or just the the human side. This was absolutely incredible. Um, I've talked a lot on the podcast and written before that, I think my favorite trip ever uh, for a football game was to Columbus for the Ohio State game back in twenty twenty one. I still think that's probably at the top of the list, just because it's you know it's the horseshoe, it's Ohio State, it's Columbus. They got the win. It was the arguably the biggest non conference win um, in Oregon history. I think it still stands as that today, honestly. But this, I, I mean it when I say it. This was a close second. I this is right up there with probably. You know, one of the coolest sports experiences I've had in my life Um, in a pure football context. This is probably the best football game I've ever seen. Um, I mean, just back and forth, back and forth to absolutely incredible college quarterbacks to future NFL quarterbacks and Michael Penix and Bo Nix, just dueling it out. Um, defenses both stepped up. Oregon's defense played great in the second half. Washington's defense was really good in the, um, second quarter, third quarter. And again, in the fourth quarter too, they made, they, they really stepped up when they needed to and made some big plays, but, um, the crowd was absolutely electric uh, as we always do. We got to go down on the fourth quarter or we got, we got to go down on the field for the fourth quarter and it was just, it was unbelievable. It was, it's not quite as loud as uh, you know, as Columbus because that's hundred hundred and ten thousand hundred, 110,000 fans. Um, and I think it's around 70,000 at Washington, but it's close, man. That environment was absolutely insane. And when, um the, the kick from Camden Lewis didn't go through the uprights and the fans rushed the field. We were down in the middle of it, and it was absolute mayhem. So um, just before we get into all of the game content and all of breaking it down, I just had to say that, you know, these are – I was texting my my family before. And they were just – my brother and dad were saying how jealous they were that and how envious they were that, you know, I was there experience the game. And I told them, I was like, these are the days that you – you know, this is why you get into sports journalism. It's to cover games like this, like the stakes, the matchup, just the hype and, you know, the press box up there is just a who's who, of you know, some of the top sports media folks in the nation. So, you know, it's, it days like these that, you know, it's never lost on you that this is just an absolute blessing to be able to do this job. Um it stays like this, where you're you're really happy that you stayed on this route, and you you get to do this for a living and call this a job because it's it's super fun. Uh, with that all being said, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about this game. I've got several different topics written down. I I didn't really know how I wanted to structure this podcast because there's so many so many different things to hit on. Um, so I just kind of wrote down five to ten you know topics that we need to talk about. And um, we'll just kind of see where it goes from there. The first thing, and I think the most obvious thing, the, the main fodder coming out of this game is the decision-making from Dan Lanning. Um, Oregon should have, I, I want to say this correctly, because I don't want to take anything away from Washington in this victory. They played an outstanding game. They deserve to win this game. That doesn't mean that Oregon deserved to lose this game. You know, this it it's in a football game. You can't have a tie. One, someone's going to win. Someone's got to lose. Unfortunately, it was Oregon that lost this game, but I don't think they deserve to lose this game. They really, really played incredibly well, if it weren't for the fact that they were over three on fourth down conversions in this game. You know, Dan Lanning is an incredibly aggressive coach. He loves to go for two, he loves to go for fourth downs. Um, you know, he he likes onside kicks, he likes fake punts. We've seen him do it all before, and a lot of times it's worked. Um in this game it just happened to not work three times in three incredibly like massive moments in the game. Um just to run through them real quick, Oregon had a fourth and three from the Washington three-yard line with five seconds left in the half, trailing twenty-two to eighteen at the time. They could have taken a field goal and gone into the half, down twenty-two to twenty-one, knowing that they got the ball out of halftime and could go up with the score there. They decided to keep the offense on the field and kick and uh, and go for it, and they got stopped later in the third quarter, uh, trailing twenty nine to eighteen. Um, Oregon once again had a fourth and three from Washington's eight yard line. They could have kicked a field goal and made it a one possession game, down twenty nine to twenty two. It would have been if they kicked a field goal. Again, they decided to go for it. Incomplete pass to Troy Franklin um you're down 29 at that point i mean this it kind of felt like this game was close to being over because oregon had no answers for michael pinnocks or the washington offense at this point you're down 29 18 you failed to score any points in the second half and you're giving Penix the ball again with a chance to you know make it a, a big lead for sure so um fortunately oregon's defense got some stops and allowed the the offense to get back in the game but We'll get into that in a second. The last fourth down decision. I think this is probably the most. I would say it's the most arguable call. Um, this is one that I disagree with most. But even saying I disagree with it, like I, I understand what Lanning was going for. Um, just before I get into that, it was fourth and three. Oregon had the ball with two minutes and sixteen seconds left. They were up thirty three to twenty nine at the time on Washington's forty seven. Um, you know, a first down ends the game. You win the game. You can run on the clock because Washington had no timeouts at the time or, you know, and or you could punt. Um, and, you know, at worst, it's a touchback and Penix has to go 75 yards with no timeouts and about two minutes left. Or you can pin them deep. Um, if your punt coverage unit can get down there and give them, you know, a 90 plus yard field to go. Instead, Oregon went for it. Um, you know what? questionable play call. Um, we'll get into the play calling a little bit, but also credit to Washington's defense. They had a really good defensive play. Cornerback kept outside leverage that really kept Tez Johnson and TreShaun Holden from getting open and getting the ball. And it was incomplete. So you gave Michael Penix the ball at midfield, and they scored two plays later, and um, you know went up thirty six to thirty three, which actually gave Oregon. Um, you know a ton of time to actually to try and get back into this um, and tie the game with a field goal they they got down into field goal range camden lewis tried a 43 yard uh, field goal attempt missed barely wide right and that was the end of the game so just more on the decision making of it all i um you know right after the game i was talking to um you know other reporters that were there talking to a few family members and friends afterwards and saying that i am I really disagreed with a lot of the decision-making. You know, in hindsight, it's super easy to say that, oh, you should have kicked one of those field goals. You should have punted it. Um, Obviously, you play it safe that way. My tune has changed quite a bit since then, actually. Um, I had a chance this morning to watch the whole game again, uh, really break it down, pause, rewind, watch things over and over again. I've got to say, with two of the three decisions, two of the three-fourths, fourth down decisions, I really agree with what Lanning did. Um, the two times where they were uh, inside the Washington 10, I I really understand and I, I agree with his decision-making and not kicking the field goal. Um, I still think I probably would have punted on the fourth and three from the 47, but that's a really tough one because I – Absolutely understand saying, hey, we're three yards away from ending this game, getting the biggest win of our season, landing's biggest win as a head coach. Put the ball in Bo Nix's hand and trust that he can get you those three yards and end the game. I don't hate that call at all. I mean, that really, really makes sense. And you also have to think that if you punt the ball, how much of a difference is it between 50 yards and 75 yards or 80 yards for Michael Penix to go score. I mean, the defense had played well in the second half, but you know, there was, it's still Penix is the, the leading Heisman candidate for a reason. They've got uh, two or three of the best wide receivers in the nation. I mean, that's, they, it was going to be a tall task to ask the defense to stop them one more time. And by giving them the ball at the 50 in an odd way, you actually kind of helped your offense because, uh, you gave Bo Nix a minute and a half, I believe I was, to go down and score, to go down and try and score, to win the game or tie the game um, right there at the end. So I understand not punting. Um, if I was in landing shoes, I probably would have punted, but there's a reason I'm not in landing shoes. Um, what makes him such a good coach is that he's so aggressive. Um, what makes him, what's made him so successful is that he's been so aggressive and is so willing to take these risks. And he knows that you know the downside sometimes is those are going to blow up in your face. That just it happens. Um, that's football. Sometimes the ball doesn't bounce in your way. Sometimes you know it's a game edges, Things go the opposite way. Sometimes um, I I think that Lanning is going to get criticized a lot for these decisions. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that they were wrong. But you know, in in the day and age that we live in, in sports media, you get louted if you're decision if your aggressiveness pays off and you get killed if it's if it's wrong so um i think the landing's gonna have to take his lumps over the next week or so and i think it's it's fair because he's made a lot of these decisions i mean this happened last year in the washington game too i mean it, the washington game at last year and this year they ended in very similar fashions with uh oregon going forward on fourth down not getting it allowing washington to ultimately win the game Um, This has happened multiple times in big games now where Oregon has not um, succeeded when being super aggressive and it ended up costing them. And I think that that's going to be a mark on Lanning's resume until those aggressive decisions end up being the difference in a win instead of a loss. Um, So, you know, it's going to be something that he has to live with going forward. But he's been consistent throughout his coaching career that he's going to be aggressive on all these play calls. We know that he's going to go for it on these fourth downs. And I, I don't really want him to change it because that's what makes him him. And at some point, it's going to start going in the other direction. I think I've got a lot of confidence in, in saying that, that um, you know, if you, you keep working this, you keep learning from it and keep getting better at it, eventually it is going to swing in the right direction. I want to talk about the defense, um, particularly in the second half. Uh, Oregon's defense really, really stepped up and looked good in this game. Um, if you look at the box score, you, you likely won't see that. I mean, Washington did have 36 points. Penix had four touchdowns, threw for over 300 yards. But in the, the moments where it really mattered, Oregon's defense was fantastic. Um, I said earlier when I went through the game, Oregon fell down 29-18 to 18 in the third quarter. Um, they were unable to convert that fourth down, so they gave Washington back the ball. With a chance to go up, you know, thirty-six to eighteen, and to really put this game out of reach, instead the defense stepped up and they forced a three-and-out. Uh, Washington had to punt. A few plays later, Oregon's offense capitalized and scored. Uh, with Washington get the ball back, up 29-26, The Ducks forced another three-and-out and forced another punt, and then the Ducks came down, drove down, made it uh, thirty-three to twenty-nine. After that, we get into the fourth quarter, and Washington's driving there in the red zone. They're about to score. They're within, the, I think, the five yard line, um, trying to go up, get a touchdown, and make it thirty-six to thirty-three. Oregon stops them four times in the at the goal line. They stop them three straight plays on the goal line. I actually tweeted out the sequence I went through and watched the game again this morning, and and got the videos out for those plays. It's just it's really, really impressive what they did. They were able to stop three straight runs from the one yard line with the game on the line. um, And they gave the ball back to their offense with an opportunity to ice the game. That's just so impressive to me because think about, think about Oregon fans hearing that a year ago. That, you know, the defense that we had that Oregon had a year ago saying that, oh, pretty soon they'll be making goal line stands in a rivalry game against the number seven team in the nation. That's just not something you would have ever fathomed could happen. But it's just a testament to what um, Dan Lanning and this, you know, Tosh LePoy, Coach Mean, all these coaches, to what they've been able to do with this defensive unit, um, to the level of talent they have on the side of the ball, the incoming transfers, the recruits. You know, this defense is just so much more skilled than it was a year ago. Um, And it was just, it really stood out to me today because Washington is an outstanding offensive team. They can put up yards in a hurry. They can put up points on anyone. They put up yards and points on Oregon. But in the big moments, Oregon's defense really stepped up. Um, And, you know, I don't know that Oregon is going to face another offense that's as good as Washington's. I mean, maybe USC. USC struggled quite a bit. They lost last night to Notre Dame. Um, you know, I, if Oregon can play this well against Washington, I feel like they can have an incredibly good year defensively going on here on out because, um, it's, if they can stop Penix when it matters, then you can pretty much stop anyone when it matters. All right, let's talk about Bo Nix. Um, Bo had a good game. I wouldn't say that he had a great game. His stats were pretty impressive. He was—I mean, he. Don't get me wrong. He absolutely played well enough for the Ducks to win this game. He was 33 for 44. I think he had 337 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He had a really solid game. But um, you know, this was this was not the best game of his career. Uh, he missed a few throws. He didn't always look entirely comfortable in the pocket. Um, you know, there was it was just it wasn't the best game I've seen from Bo Nix and that's you know that we shouldn't expect him to play his best game in the toughest environment that the Ducks are going to see all year against a really solid defense and with the stakes of this game I mean I'm not I'm not asking him to be perfect but I think it's okay to recognize that this was a above average Bo Nix game but it was not you know this was not an amazing performance from him. I think that there's a lot of throws um, that he had in this game that he wants back um, and a lot of reads that he wants back as well. I know we talked about some of the fourth down um, opportunities earlier. Uh, what led to the fourth downs in the first place, you know, on that fourth and three in the second half or in the, the second quarter, right before halftime on third down, Nick's had a, a wide open on Holden that if he hit him, Um, Holden would have likely gotten in the end zone. There was a defensive back coming on the goal line that would have met him. It would have been a a big hit, but, you know, I, I think there's a good chance that would be a touchdown ducks go up into the half. Um, again, the fourth down in the third quarter. Um, it looked like, I mean, you had Troy Franklin on the left side. He was in man coverage. So that was a, a good matchup to go to, um, to get that fourth and three, but, you know when you watch the tape you see that Traychan Holden was coming out of a bunch package on the right side and he was wide open in the middle of the field no one really near him other than the ref um, which is an easy first down and probably a touchdown too so I think watching film next will say you know I, I probably locked on to Franklin a little too quickly I made up my mind before the snap that that's where I was going um, you know those are little things that I think he would want back um, but what really really impressed me the most was Bo's post-game press conference. Um, you might have already seen it online. It's been circling it on Twitter. Um, this guy is just a, a really awesome person. I've, I've really had a fun time covering him. I think that Oregon fans feel the same way. Um, there was one question he was asked about, you know, the, the Ducks' outlook going forward and You know, where they go from here now that they've got one loss. And his, he went on this, I think, like three, three and a half minute answer, kind of just gave a a rousing speech um, to the the media members there, um, you know, about where they go from here. So I'm going to go ahead and play that for you. It's a little bit long, but I'm going to play that for you and then talk a little bit about it afterwards. The margins in this conference are so razor thin this year. I'm just knowing that you're not in full control uh, of where you guys want to be at the end of the
1: season how does that feel now Um, I mean we are in control we can go out and win out and uh, put ourselves in a really good spot and uh, that's all we can you know control and that's all we really have to control Um, I mean that's like I said it's frustrating to lose a game like this Um, it's no fun to be on this side Uh, It's easy to go back and, well, yeah, we should have done this and we should have done that. But point blank period, um, there's only one person in that position. That's Coach Lanning. Um, And there's one group of, um, you know, there's an offense and a defense, and that's who went out there and played today. And sometimes you put it all out there and it's not enough and it's frustrating. That's part of life. Sometimes in life you're going to get knocked down. You may get fired from a job. Um, You may... Um, lose a sale but I hope that doesn't stop you from going out there and trying to sell something else um, so this is a great learning lesson for us there's a lot more to life than football games I know that for sure um, and tomorrow the sun will come up um, God is still good and you know I'm just here to be an influence of other people be a light around me and if I got to use football to do that then you know I'm going to do the best I can with it And a lot of people, you know, they want to see how we respond. And uh, I'm excited for that. I think that's the challenge that, you know, I can't wait for. And, you know, this group is going to be able to, you know, um, write its own story, write its own journey. And, um, you know, I think if it was easy, you know, everybody would do it. If it was, um, you know, if there was no failures, um, then everybody would be playing football, you know. So I think that it's part of it. You win and lose. go out there and play your best you go out there and enjoy the process and um, even though I hated the outcome of today um, it was one heck of a football game that I loved playing Um, and I'll lose with those guys any day um, because I know what they've put into it and I know everybody can nitpick it um, all they want Um, but y'all don't see us on Tuesday and Wednesday practicing either Um, and y'all don't see what kind of passion and fire we play with and um, so I think it's definitely You know, unfair to critique and and nitpick those guys in that locker room and even our coaches who do do an incredible job of preparing us each and every week and getting us ready to play. And you go out there and you do your best to win the game. Sometimes you lose, um, and that's part of it. And I'm proud to be an Oregon Duck. I'm proud to be here. Um, I'm proud to play with this locker room. Um, I'm proud to play for these coaches, Um, and it means a lot to me. And, you know, I'm not going to quit on them, and I know they're not going to quit on me. Um, and so we have a lot to play for um, as the season goes on. And, um, you know, I think it's a challenge that I'm, um, you know, built for. And, um, you know, I think I was just put in this position for that. And, and that's what I'm going to do. Thank you. all
0: I think what's the most impressive thing about this, um, you know, about Bo in particular and about this kind of postgame press conference from him is that it's so it's really different from what we've seen before at Oregon. Um, you know, we've had – Oregon has seen really good quarterbacks before, obviously. Marcus Mariota won the Heisman. Justin Herbert won a Rose Bowl. He was a, a very good quarterback as well. But while both of those guys were so talented and so good on the field and such leaders in the locker room, they weren't public persona leaders, if that makes sense. They weren't people that were going to come to um, – to a post-game press conference and go on a three-minute i don't want to say rant but a three-minute speech um it's the three-minute soliloquy about their team's outlook and um you know what football means to him and i just i i could never see marcus doing this or or herbert saying this they were they were much more quiet um but Bo, he's got a lot to say and he's shown that he's willing to say it um i just think it's really cool that it's it It showed what a what a leader he is, and that's not to say that Marcus or Herbert were not leaders because they are. You've you've seen at the college level and in the NFL that their teammates love them and they're they're really good leaders. But um, it's just a a nice change of pace for Oregon fans, I think, because Nick's is a little bit out outspoken, not in a a bad way. Not that he's gonna you know, I'm not that he's ever gonna say the right the wrong things, but um, he's willing to to say what he wants to say at times. And I thought that yesterday after the game, probably one of the toughest games of his career, he went out and and said what he wanted to say. And I think that Oregon fans are very appreciative of that. All right. We've got a few more things to touch on. Um, We've got to, we've got to talk about Terrence Ferguson real quick. Um, I want to be, you know, I've got to be a little bit careful of how I say this because I don't want to, I don't want to say anything wrong. And, Uh, You know, I don't want to sound like I'm scolding Terrence Ferguson or or saying that he did anything wrong because I don't have all the information. Um, For those who don't know what happened um, on the the last drive of the game, Oregon's trying to get into field goal range. It's first and ten. They are across midfield. Uh, Nix hits Ferguson on a nice little, uh, you know, a seam route over the middle. Ferguson scampers up for a first down. And then he goes down with a, a non-contact injury and appeared to be in a ton of pain. Uh, I was down on the field. I was pretty near this play. When it happened, you could hear his screams from the sideline. I mean, he was in agony and a lot of pain. Um, so he goes down on the field. Trainers go out, clock stops. Um, he's gotta be taken off the field. What's interesting is that, you know, Washington fans seem to sniff this out pretty quickly for what it could have been. I'm not saying this is what it is. This is just kind of what it appeared to be. It appeared to be that Ferguson might have gone down to get the injury timeout to stop the clock, save Oregon's one timeout. Um, You know, this is something we've seen in college football for. It's something we saw in the Washington game last year. Uh, Chris Hudson, if you remember, notoriously was standing, uh, you know, on the field of play waiting for a play call to come in and they just kind of collapsed and sat down and grabbed his hamstring like, Oh, I'm cramping. I'm cramping. Let's get this free timeout instead of um, calling a timeout. And then Chris Hudson, the uh, wonderful, wonderful um, speaker to the media that he is um, later, I forget when it was that he said it was that he says this, um, but someone asked him about that play and he said, Oh yeah, that was part of the game plan, but I'm okay. Um, You know, it just, Chris, that's a long, long history of saying the absolute worst things you could ever say to the media. Um, But so there's, there's been a history of, you know, players, Oregon players faking injuries in order to stop the clock and get a free timeout, which is a, you know, it's an ugly part of the game. It it happens. It used to happen to Oregon all the time uh, back in the Chip Kelly days when teams just needed a rest and didn't want to burn a timeout. You had. Uh, Defensive players faking cramps And and getting those injury timeouts But um, you know with Ferguson It's it's interesting because he seemed to be In a ton of pain Um, You know I was sitting next to Eric Scopel with or standing next to Eric um, On the sideline and we saw him go Down and it was like okay I think He just didn't look like he got hurt He didn't get hit it was non-contact he didn't Twist his knee or anything Um, But then Jared Mack came over And he's like oh he's actually like screaming He's in a ton of pain Um, you know, he was helped off the field, the end of the game happens. And then after all of the, you know, the chaos on the field, when we were walking over to interviews, I saw, uh, Terrence walking off the field. He looked fine. I mean, I, I posted the the video up on my Twitter. He looked to be okay. And not like someone who had completely apparently blown their knee out a few minutes earlier. Um, I'm not saying that he's not hurt. We will see on Tuesday if we're allowed back in practice. We'll see if that's a thing again. Um, we'll see if he's there. If he's playing, um, I don't want to, you know, condemn Ferguson for this. I don't want to say that he was cheating. I'm just saying from from my perspective what it all looked like. Um, and if if I was a Washington fan watching that, I would probably be upset and frustrated because it didn't look good from that perspective. Um, Again, we'll see going forward. This is uh, um, hopefully he's okay. And he's uh, not injured because that's a position that the ducks can't really afford too many major injuries at. It's relatively thin already, Um, but we'll see going forward. I just thought that was a, an interesting thing because, you know, we could ask, I, I wouldn't dare ask Lenny about this. I think that, um, a lot of media members have probably learned our lesson on asking him any type of injury questions, especially when it could be about a fake injury. I don't think that's something that anybody really wants to discuss with him at this point. But um, it was just a very interesting thing that was a, a weird part of the game and kind of a bad look for Oregon, if that is what happened. Two more things here. Um, we got we to gotta quickly talk about Camden Lewis as well. Um, Camden, he had a great start to the season. Um, he was, I think, perfect on extra points, uh, perfect on field goals for quite a while. The last two games have been pretty tough for Camden. Um, two weeks ago against Stanford, he missed a field goal, and then he started the game by kicking the ball out of bounds, giving giving Stanford good field position to start the game. It's Stanford, whatever that that can happen. That's not the end of the world. Um, you obviously don't want it to happen, but. Um, you know, it's that's that's not going to kill you against Stanford. He had a really tough game against Washington. He once again kicked two balls out of out of bounds this time, uh, giving Michael Penix and the elite Washington offense a short field to work with. Um, that's something that will absolutely kill you, especially playing against someone like Michael Penix. And then the uh, the potential field goal to send it into overtime. Uh, he missed it wide right. I think it was a 43-yarder. It looked incredibly good. Um, it had all the distance in the world, all the distance it needed. Um, from our vantage point, we couldn't really see whether it went in or not. Um, we were standing just over on the Oregon sideline next to that um, that upright. It looked good from us. And then you hear all of the Husky fans start going crazy and start rushing the field. It's like, oh, okay, I guess he missed it. Um, you know, it's... This, this loss was not on Camden. Um, Dan Landing made sure to say that after the game, they put him in a tough spot. They should never have been in a spot where they needed a 43-yard field goal to send this to overtime. There were enough chances in the game for the Ducks to do something different to where that's not what should have been the difference in this game. But, you know, football is football, and sometimes this happens. And unfortunately, Camden was not able to hit the, the field goal to send it in overtime. Going forward, I don't think you... Obviously, I don't think you make any changes. Camden's the best kicker you've got, and I think he's proven that he's a really solid player. I just kind of worry about his his psyche now, his mentality going forward, because um, you know he's Camden. We've talked before; he's he's a really strong mental player. He's really got a great mentality. Um, he knows he knows that the most important kick is the next one. He doesn't dwell on the past, but you know this keeps building up, and you you kind of worry about it having an effect. Um, I think Camden is good enough to not let this impact him going forward, but this is also a season where you're getting into the, the crunch of it and you're going to need Camden going forward. Um, you're going to need him in some big spots. You're going to need him to make some big kicks. Uh, I just, I really hope that he's able to put this behind him and not let it impact him because that's uh that could snowball in a hurry and he's one of the, the more valuable assets you have on your team. Cause he's a, a really solid kicker and he's proved that over the last couple of years. Um, this was just a tough game for him. All right. I want to close it out with this. Uh, I want to talk real quick about Oregon's outlook uh, going forward. Obviously this is their first loss of the season. They're now five and one. They've got one loss in the conference. I still have them um, at the the number two spot in my PAC 12 power rankings. Um, You know, Oregon State looked really good yesterday, but USC looked awful. They lost 48 to 20 um, against Notre Dame. So they fell out of the number three spot. Oregon State moved up into the number three spot. Utah is still kind of hanging around, but I mean, they're somehow finding a way to win even without Cam Rising. Um, So it'll be interesting to see what they could be once they get Cam Rising back. If that ever happens. I don't know. He did tear his ACL in January. So it's, you know, it's conceivable that he won't play again this year. That's, that's a, a long recovery for an injury and a tough one to come back from. But as far as Oregon goes, this loss, I mean, the loss hurts, but it by no means kills them. I mean, the Pac-12 title, everything that they wanted to play for this year, a Pac-12 championship, a spot in the college football playoff, all of that stuff is still very attainable. I mean, they still control their own destiny in the Pac-12 because the teams that they're competing against, teams like Oregon State, teams like Utah, teams like USC, um, I guess Washington stayed a little bit to that, but they lost again. They've got two losses now too, so they're not really in the race as much. Oregon still plays all of those teams. So if Oregon can win out and they can take care of business, then they are going to face Washington in the Pac-12 title game in Vegas. And I say Washington because, you know, I. I don't see any other team in the conference that's capable of beating them outside of, you know, crazy bad injury luck or just wild, wild circumstances. I just, at this point, I really feel confident that the Pac 12 championship game is going to be a rematch between Oregon and Washington. And I think that that's what we all should be hoping for because, like I said at the start, this was one of the most fun college football games I've ever seen. And if we can get a part two to this, I think that that's going to be incredibly entertaining. But overall, I mean, despite this loss, I just, after watching the film and after kind of, you know, listening to coaches and players yesterday after the game, um, you know, reading other people's stuff and just kind of processing it over the past 12 hours or so, uh, had a long drive from Seattle last night, got got home late last night around midnight, a lot of time to process it, driving down I-5. Um, so, you know, been been able to think about this game a lot. And I just, I can't help but feel strangely a little bit more confident about this team, um, you know, after this loss. I just, I I really feel that um, Oregon, the, the biggest knock on Oregon going into this game was that we didn't know who they were. We didn't know how good they were because they didn't play anyone very good. We know that Washington's a really good team, and we know that Oregon played to their level and, to be completely honest, outplayed them for parts of this game. You know, let me read you this the stack comparison for Oregon and Washington in this game. Total yards: Oregon had 541, Washington had 415. Passing yards: Oregon 337, Washington 316. Rushing yards: Oregon 204, Washington 99. Uh, first downs: Oregon 32, Washington 24. Um, you know, the biggest difference is, is Oregon was 0 for 3 on those fourth down conversions. Um, they, you know, they allowed Washington to, to get, I don't want to say points up at a high clip, but Washington was, was successful. They had 6.8 yards per play, uh, 13.7 yards per completion. You know, Washington played really well, but that does not mean that Oregon didn't play well enough to win this game. And I think that you can, as an Oregon fan, leave this game feeling incredibly confident about that because. Um, you know, if you get them again at a neutral site, not in Husky Stadium, which was one of the loudest stadiums I've ever heard, a true, true home field advantage for Washington, I think the Ducks should feel pretty good about their chances. I mean, I saw some people on Twitter talking today that if this game was in a neutral site, you know, what would the Vegas spread on that be? What would a, a, a Las Vegas sportsbook spread be on the Pac-12 title game between Oregon and Washington if it was played next week? I think it's probably, you know, even with this this last game, even with yesterday held in account, I think it's probably Washington minus one. Maybe it's a pick I mean, is it I don't know that you feel super comfortable saying that Washington should blow them out or win easily just because they won yesterday. And again, that's not to take anything away from Washington. I don't I don't want to sound like um, you know, they shouldn't have won this game. They absolutely should have. They played well enough to win this game. Um, but so did Oregon and and stuff just didn't really go their way down the stretch. And it's it's not because of, you know, a ball bouncing one way or another. It's because of things that Oregon did. I mean, it's because of decisions that they made, play calls that could have been a little bit better, but I think they learn from that. And I think they take that going forward and, and are able to get better from that. Um, we, you know, we really saw that this team is good enough to compete. Um, they just kind of have to get out of their own way and learn how to finish a little bit better. And that's something that we've heard Dan Lanning say all season that they need to work on finishing. Um, you know, Oregon played 98%, a great game. They had this game in the bag after 98% of it. They couldn't really finish those last 2%. They couldn't get that fourth down. They couldn't stop them on defense. They couldn't get the field goal to get into overtime. You work on finishing a little bit better. This is a different story, but um, that's just that's. I think that's my my biggest takeaway is that um, a lot of years this loss would really hurt. Um, And I'm not saying it doesn't. It doesn't shouldn't sting for an Oregon fan. It's frustrating. You should have had it. Um, You know, you should be in the driver's seat for the Pac-12 championship in a spot in the college football playoff. You should have Bo Nix leading the Heisman conversation right now. That's not all that didn't all come to fruition because of this loss, but I don't think that means this season um, shouldn't still have an incredibly high ceiling. We've seen how good this team can be. We've seen that they can take it to teams like Washington when things are going the right way. Um, And, you know, Washington is all credit to them. They are one of the best teams in the nation right now. Um, But I think that this, this loss didn't convince me that they're, leagues ahead of Oregon right now they played a little bit of a better game they finished a little bit better on Saturday and they got the win Um, I think if these teams played 10 times you'd probably split five and five they are so evenly matched that it's just um, you know it's a coin flip game things are going to bounce one way or another uh, depending on what day it is so um, if I'm an Oregon fan I can go to sleep at night this week feeling pretty confident about this team going forward all right, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, we will. I'll be back on later this week, uh, probably Tuesday or Wednesday. I'm assuming it'll probably be Wednesday. The Ducks have, you know, another big game coming up. This time against Washington State. Um, Washington State fell out of the top twenty-five. They lost to Arizona um, on Saturday. They actually lost forty-four to six. Um, That was probably the most surprising outcome I saw in the PAC 12 this weekend, but Arizona actually looks really good. They took both USC and Washington to the brink um, the past, past month or so. Um, So I, I think that that outcome may be a little, hmm, I don't necessarily want to say misleading because, you know, I don't know that Washington state is as good as we thought they were at the start of the year, but I also don't think they're as bad as they looked against Arizona. So um, the Ducks will host them. I think that's a 1230 game on Saturday. Um, Oregon will be wearing their, their throwback uniforms that they released a couple of weeks ago. It's homecoming. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so I'll have a, an episode out, I think, on Wednesday, previewing that. Thank you guys for listening and following me along. If you want to check out more of my work, you can find it all at duckswire.usatoday.com. Follow me at Zachary C. Neal on Twitter. We'll talk to you guys later this week. Until then, take it easy.